in the fact that we were a sinner. Amen? And we were not redeemed by the blood of Jesus. But I believe if there's one person in the Bible that a lot of people, if they would want to say that was a hypocrite, let me just let that sink in. And I'm not here to call him a hypocrite because Jesus spoke highly of him. But I believe that some people would place Jonah as a hypocrite. Think about that. But I want to, I want to just elaborate for just a few moments. And I want, to, I want us to look and see Jonah asking this question. Do I know who I am? Do I know who I am tonight? And there may be somebody out there tonight that you've been in ministry or maybe you right now, you, you're just struggling in some areas. And I just want to let you know that God cares about you. And as I think about what I've just said tonight, there is some important people that's in this passage of Scripture. I'm not going to take the time to announce all those. And there's, there's, there's locations that are important. I mean, I could tell you how many miles tonight that is believed that Jonah ran. That, that's beside the point. No matter if you're running tonight, away from God, or running to God, amen, the most important thing is that God is present wherever you're at, and God wants to minister to your need tonight, or this day, amen. What is remarkable, there was a moment in Jonah's life in these four scriptures that he had to say who he was, and that's important tonight no matter where we stand in life, there is going to be a time that we're going to have to come to reality of who we are. But let me just give you this that I think that would be worth mentioning tonight. The name Jonah means dove. And I want you to keep that in your thoughts for just as we, as we speak. Also, I want you to be reminded of the scripture in Jonah chapter 1 and verse number 1. It says, now, when, now the word of the Lord came into Jonah, the son of Amata, saying, I want us to also look at the fact of what his lineage was who his daddy was. There may not be a lot we can elaborate about his daddy, but there is one thing that I want you to hear tonight. His daddy name, his daddy's name, his father's name means this is truth. This is truth. And the Bible talks about how that the how that even our name is worth that of, of, of value or that of gold or silver. It says a particular of uh, 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 thing in scripture and off the top of my mind all I can think about is it's precious and, and related to that of something of value but I want us to realize tonight that Jonah came into a dilemma he came into a dilemma that was self-made and there tells me something as I think about Jonah Jonah is an example of the believer needing to walk in God's presence, walking in the presence of God. And what we find tonight as we think about the dove, the dove always represents in Scripture that of the Holy Spirit that is present and also that that is giving us the understanding of God's presence. And here we've got a man that his name means dove and it speaks that he is the continually walk in the presence of God. Amen. <laughs> but we find him running through, wanting to run 3,000 miles away from God and God's presence. I'm going to tell you, you can run as far as just a couple feet and really just be out of the presence of God. 
We don't have to take and make it a measurement. But this man also had another thing that was in his heritage. That was that of his heritage. He had a daddy, and his name means this is truth. And when we come to the realization of who God is and his son, the Bible says that Jesus is the truth. He's the way, the truth, and the life. And we realize today the Holy Spirit, which is the presence of God that is alive and well in this world today, I want to say it like this. He is promoting. He is promoting. He is propagating that of the truth, which is Jesus. Christ and the very word of God that I hold in my hands tonight. The very name of Jonah identified of who he was. Also his lineage that his daddy's name meant uh, this is truth. And as I think about that, it reminds us of how the believer ought to walk constantly in the presence of God. But we find that he ran from the presence of God. He ran from that heritage. He ran from that that God spoke to him to go to deliver. He ran from that. He ran from truth. He ran from his calling. But the Bible says that the callings of God and those gifts are without repentance. God doesn't change his mind. We may change our mind. Amen. But God has made the call and God says, I don't change my mind about it. The sad part about it is if we don't change our mind, there's going to be consequences. There's going to be that of answering for that. Come on. As I think about this, as believers, we must consistently live in the results and power. Let me give you something to think about. Jonah went through an extreme, ultimate, I mean a devastating, I mean an event that actually some people do not want to accept as truth. That he was swallowed by a great fish. Some say that it's impossible. Well, I just want to go ahead and say something to those that are skeptics tonight. If you're watching this, I'm not being critical. I'm just going to be giving you something to chew on tonight. And you have come to that place where you can accept Jesus as a good teacher. You can accept him as a little baby that was born in Bethlehem. But you don't want to accept him as the son of God. I want to ask you a question tonight. If he was a good teacher, would you listen to a teacher that doesn't tell the truth? Jesus in the book of Matthew, chapter number 12 and verse number 40 there, he speaks of Jonah and he speaks of it as being an event that took place and I will take his word for it. Glory to God. He didn't come there to criticize Jonah, but he came to exactly speak what Jonah was. Jonah was an example of what needs to take place in our lives consistently if we are going to be in the presence of God, if we're going to be about the truth, and if we're going to operate in the gifts. And somebody's going to say, well, I don't have any gifts. Yes, you do. Somebody's going to say, I don't have any callings. No, it may not be a pulpit ministry, but God has called all of us to be ministers of reconciliation. Yeah. And let me just go ahead and say this. He has called you if you're a sinner tonight. He said, every person that will call on the name of the Lord, he said, I will save. He has gave an yeah. imitation, amen. amen, to every man, every woman, every boy, and every girl. So you are guilty. You are responsible, amen, to that calling. Amen. Amen. 
consistently live in the results and power that the flesh must be the one that's put to death. The flesh must continually be put to death and be put in that situation that we have been buried with Christ. Jesus himself said that what took place with Jonah was an example of that of Jesus dying and being buried and raising from the death. We have an Old Testament prophet that God used to illustrate the death, the burial, and the resurrection. And Jesus died to take our death. Jesus died to take our sin. Amen. And sin is what causes death. Hallelujah. So therefore, even in the spiritual realm, we must continually, we must uh, continually, consistently, we need to be in the fact that the flesh be dead, that we are dead to the flesh and alive by the Spirit of God. And that, it tells us there that we are to live by the power of resurrection. Listen, I want to tell you the earthquake did not raise Jesus from the dead. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, my God. Those angels rolling away the stone did not raise Jesus from the dead. Women that came to embalm him and to put spices on him did not raise him from the dead. The Bible says, the Scripture say that God raised him from the dead. Hallelujah. His spirit will quicken us today and it will raise us up. It will empower us to live and to be victorious so that we can say not that we are, are, are prompting ourselves and not that we're promoting ourselves but we're promoting him because we're walking in the calling. We're walking in the life. Amen. And we can declare who we are if there need be. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, my goodness. Our life of living in God's presence must be. Listen, this is what it is. We need to realize that it's a condition of relationship. I said just a few moments ago on the on start of this that some people could say that Jonah was the biggest hypocrite. I'm glad God uses hypocrites. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, my God. I'm going to tell you what. Those that say, well, I won't go to church because of the hypocrites. Quit going to the grocery store because that same hypocrite goes to probably the same store you go and buy groceries. So now, preacher, you just running rabbits down. Now, let me just get back to my topic and, and back to the Word of God. We've got to realize that Jonah had a relationship with God. You say, how do you say that? Well, he knew the voice of God. He knew the voice of the Lord. And the Bible says, Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of truth. Can I say it that way? The son of truth. God recognized him. The Lord recognized him as being a son of truth. So God wanted to entrust. Oh, hallelujah. He wanted to entrust. Amen. His presence. Amen. To speak truth to those that were perishing. And what does God want us to do? He wants us to be men and women, 
children of God that are children of truth tonight that we know the voice of the Lord. And when the voice of the Lord comes, we're ready to not only have a relationship with the Lord, but we're to be in fellowship and even to step into the realms of hearing instruction. See, there was a there was a relationship that this man had. No matter what you think of it, no matter whether you believe that the event's true that he was swallowed by by a, a great fish or not, he had a relationship with God. He knew God's voice, and the Lord spoke to him with instructions. You can actually take the book of Jonah, and really, you could just minister a message out of that or, or teaching of what God said. Because there's so many times that God speaks. And you know what I like about this book? God gets the last word. Amen. <laughs> he gets the last word in the last verse. God gets the last word. He started out with the first verse in the first verse with the speaking the word to his servant. One that you trusted. All those that God's trust and those that have a calling and every one of us have a calling. You know what? God loves you so much. He sent his son. If you're a sinner tonight, amen, that he entrusted the work of his son and he has done it in faith and confidence that you'll receive him. Yeah. Oh, what a tragedy. What a tragedy like Jonah had when you will not accept what God is expecting. Because God has greater things that He wants you to receive. Glory to God. I gotta move on. Uh, our life of living in God's presence must be that we know His voice. We know when He's coming to speak instruction, and it is a condition of obedience. It's willing. Oh, this is oh my, this is gonna get deep. Listen. Even when we have failed him, and others are calling us a hypocrite, but we have to have the understanding if we are going to live in his presence, know him, and have a relationship, we must be willing to repent. We must have those times that there's nobody's shoulder that we can cry on like we can cry unto the Lord. The Bible says, call unto me and I'll show you great and mighty things. The Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Shall be saved. Shall be saved. Oh, there come a time that Jonah had to come to the point that he had to tell who he was. <laughs> He's done went and paid the fare. Oh, listen, now, now I'm going to go ahead. I'm just going to hit something right now. Us preachers, us evangelists, it's easy for us to book a revival somewhere. And if we're not careful, we want to entertain it as vacation time too. Come on, I'm not saying that it's wrong maybe to be able to do something special while you're gone from home, maybe with your family and your children's with you. But I'm going to tell you, when we're speaking the Word of God and we're going to a church or we're going somewhere with a Word from God, that ought to be so burning on us that, that we can't wait to get to the house of God to minister to the people. I'm going to tell you, God means more than Nikki to me. And you don't understand that? I ain't going no further. Come on. I'm not saying it's wrong. Don't misunderstand me. But Jonah, he changed what a mission trip was supposed to be into that what he saw to be a vacation. 
and I don't have to go into all the details and don't have the time tonight, but I do want to say this. When everything started breaking loose and what he was in the comfort zone, he was sleeping. Oh, he was having a good time. He'd done paid his fare to go 3,000 miles away from God. Or he thought he was going to. When he went to Joppa. Oh, he was supposed to go one way to Tarsus, but he started another way towards Spain. 3,000 miles roughly. Oh, I want to tell you, you can go this far and be away from God. Come on. Or out of his presence like we ought to be. But they're in the midst of all this that takes place. He's on his journey. He had to identify who he was. And God even honored that tonight. When a man had to humble himself. And he had to actually say who he was. Because when the storm raged and they found him asleep. They came where he was at. And they wanted to know. Those men the shipmaster, those mariners, those sailors. What is that occupation? And whence comest thou? What is thy country? And of what people art thou? I don't believe we've got the whole story here. I don't think we've got all the details that Jonah said right here. But I believe we've got enough right here that it ought to wake us up, shake us up, and realize that we need to stand in the authority of who we are, operate in who we are, and be obedient to the Lord. Hallelujah. Jonah, in verse number 9 of the first chapter, And he said unto them, I am a Hebrew. The first thing he done was he identified who his God was. I am a Hebrew and I am one that worships and serves Jehovah God, the one and only. Yes, I know who I am. I know who I am. And he went on. Now he wasn't in the best spiritual condition, but yet he had to confess who he was. He said, and I fear the Lord. At that moment, he may have meant that reverently. He may have meant that in the natural flesh. I am afraid. The Lord God of heaven. He says, I fear the Lord God of heaven. He already speaks that there is one. There is the divine. There is the God of heaven. Which hath made the sea and the dry land. What did he say? Like I said, we don't have everything that he said when he made that declaration. But he said he's also the God of creation. He's the divine creator. Yes, amen. And you know, there must have been something that took place with this man of God. Oh, I know some say hypocrite, but this man of God, he knew that he, for the safety of this crew, had to be let loose. He had to be let loose. Oh, let me say something tonight. If Jesus can say what he said in Matthew's gospel, chapter number 12, and he can relate that of Jonah's situation there in this book to the death, the burial, and the resurrection, what was God our Father thinking when he released Jesus out of heaven to come in a manger, amen, as a baby, amen, and as the King of glory and to be crucified on the cross that he 
would take the shame. He would take the reproach. He would take our suffering. He would take our sin. And God allowed him to take that. Hear this man of God. Oh, I know in the natural it was a failure. I know in the natural, but see that even in life, the more so of the importance of what Jesus came to do. Because he came to do what Jonah couldn't do. Jonah only gives us a portrait of what Jesus done. Because Jesus could do something. He could do the works that would destroy the works of the enemy. He could destroy the works of the enemy. Jonah couldn't. But there's one thing for sure. When Jonah said, you throw me over, it is, it is showing forth when God released Jesus, when Jonah went into those waters. I want to tell you, it might have been uh, that of, of, of those days in the belly of that uh, a great fish. Very, horrible, very horrific. I'm not going to go on all those details because I've got to finish. But through this ordeal, we find that Jonah repented. He was repented. Oh, hallelujah. But there's something else that happens in verse number nine of the second chapter. I want you to think about this. In the midst of everything that took place, he's failed God. He spent what money he had on what he thought was going to be a vacation. He's been disobedient. And then he's in the belly of this great fish and God is getting his attention. But in the second chapter, at verse number nine, Jonah comes to this. He says, but I will sacrifice unto thee with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay that that I have vowed. And he makes this declaration. Salvation is of the Lord. That is one of the key proclamations of this book salvation is of the Lord salvation is of the Lord I want you to think about this Jonah came from the place of repentance in the well or in that uh, belly of that great fish to the very fact of making sacrifice and now let me just go ahead and say it when we get to the end of this event in the fourth chapter and God gets the last word because he's saying something to Jonah but he's saying something to us also today yes no Jonah didn't get it all right even after that and I'm going to go into all that he didn't get it all right Jonah's attitude was not totally right but you know what God's going to honor honor truth God's going to honor what obedience yeah I could go down an avenue there but I won't It's better to obey God. It's better to obey God. But Jonah, he come to this conclusion that salvation is of the Lord. And we realize what God done. And this is one of my favorite scriptures in the book of Jonah. God has spoke to Jonah. And God speaks last in this book. But even God spoke to the fish. God even talked to the fish and told him, hey, I'm going to upset your stomach for a moment. (laughs) Woo! God can speak to his creation, folks. I don't know if he designed that. uh, I put on here in my Bible, Jonah's uh, Carnival Cruise. One of the most pleasant cruise that he took. Amen? But I don't know. Maybe God designed that creature just for Jonah. But God spoke to that that great fish. 
Let me just wrap this up like this. This is my third closing, so it's time for a preacher to quit, and I don't have a point. Somebody say amen. Amen. But in the last verse of the fourth chapter, Jonah did do what he was supposed to do. And yes, he had some other issues, and I'm not going to go into all those. And even those issues, part of it was God provided for him. And then he had issues with how God provided for him. Mm-mm, I, I just had a thought I want to run with and I won't because of time. In verse number 11 of the fourth chapter, And should not I spare Nineveh, that great city, where are more than six score thousand persons that cannot discern between their right hand and their left hand, and also much cattle. You know what God said? God said, I even care about the livestock. But you know, God said there's there's 120,000 people in this city. Nineveh ended up being the capital of the Assyrian Empire. I'm just going to give you a couple things to think about. Jonah did not want to steal gun. And I'm just going to give this much credit to Jonah because Assyria was an enemy of Israel. Jonah was a prophet during that of the reign of Jeroboam II that would have been of the ten tribes of Israel. And I want you just to think about how that would have looked on his resume going and preaching to the enemy and them getting right with God. That don't look good on your resume to some of your colleagues. That probably don't look good to your overseer. That probably don't look good to the nominal leaders. It might not look good. Uh, Come on. But you know, I'd rather obey God than obey man. Amen. Come on. So there might be part of the issue that Jonah was having because he was having to go into enemy territory. But you know, I believe there has been some great awakenings. There's been some great revivals in this world and even in America. But really, the untold revival is how a man ran through the city in three days and never said no more than, what, seven? I I didn't look at it again to review It was less than maybe a sentence and sentence and a half. Maybe one good sentence. And it brought revival. And it's believed that possibly, even though Assyria did eventually take the northern kingdom, it's believed that there could have been as much as of 150 years that this revival was part of that 150 years. And during that time, it sustained the hand of the enemy even toward Israel in some aspect. Listen, folks, I want you to hear what God said. I want you to hear what I wrote in my Bible because here God is talking about His great mercy. He's talking about His great mercy And you know, that is one of the wonderful characteristics of God, of all of His nature, is His mercy. Listen, thank God that He's a God of love. Thank God for all those things, but if it wasn't wasn't for one of those characteristics, we would be in trouble. But the thing about it is, mercy allows Him to operate in love. (laughs) Mercy even questions, questions how much He loves us, 
because it would be easy for God just to judge because he is holy. But what God was asking Jonah, just be merciful. Be merciful because these people were imported, 120,000 people. 120,000 people. 120,000. The Lord shows Jonah he does have mercy on the people of Nineveh. Oh, tonight, I want to ask us, I want to ask you if you're listening tonight, I want to ask you this question. Do you know who you are? And above everything you can say tonight, you can say I'm the president of some company or, or I'm some type of tradesman or whatever you want to classify. I'm the pastor of such and such church. I'm this or I'm that. And it may be important. It may be worth the, the mention. But let me ask one question. Oh, let me ask it in a two-way fold. First of all, in who you are, have you accepted and received the mercy of God? The second thought with that is, are you operating in the mercy of God? We're ministers. We're ambassadors for the kingdom. I want to challenge us all tonight. As we look at a spiritual resume, I'm not asking you to write a spiritual resume, but in your mind, in your heart, and as you search with God right now and allow Him to speak to you, because He's going to get the final word. Let Him. Let Him speak to us. Let us tonight line up with God's mercy that we will be ambassadors. We will be servants to have mercy on others. And that's hard sometimes. That's hard. I hope this has been a word that will encourage you, that will help you and strengthen you in your faith and your relationship with God.